0: So last week, we just finished a series called Victory. And who was there for maybe some of the series? Anyone? Okay, a few of you guys. So we are starting a new series today called Healthy Living. And for the next few weeks, we're basically going to be talking about different practices and disciplines that can help us um, cultivate a healthy spiritual life. So that's what we're going to be looking at. So today, we are going to be looking at the topic of the Sabbath. And I have to admit, when I first um, heard about this topic, and when I actually felt like the Lord wanted me to speak about this topic today, I literally said the words, Oh, no. Um, because if you know me personally i'm actually not the best on keeping the sabbath but after you know studying this subject and really seeing god's perspective on this subject i have a fresh new um, conviction on this and i'm so excited to share with all of you guys Okay, so the Sabbath, I want you guys to, yeah, close your eyes, actually. Let's all close our eyes. Close your eyes at home as well. I want you to imagine a Friday afternoon. People around you are busy trying to make plans and preparations before sunset. And they're doing last-minute shopping of ingredients, cleaning their houses, doing the laundry, setting the candles on the tables, and even sharpening the knives. And at sunset, the whole family, including your family, gathers round the dining table, sets the candle, and says a prayer that goes like this. Blessed are you, eternal our God, sovereign of the universe. You hallow us with your commandments and command us to kindle the lights of Shabbat. After you say the prayer, you basically dive in into a big feast. And the next 24 hours is filled with spending time with the family, praying, singing, and eating great food. The following morning, the Saturday morning, the whole family again goes to the local synagogue to hear readings from the Torah, which is the Old Testament in our Bibles. And these readings are read out loud by the rabbis. And after you spend some more, and afterwards you spend more time with the family. And when it comes to And when it comes to the evening, Saturday evening, you invite your friends and family over to your house and you have a big meal and celebration to welcome the eighth day, which is the first day of the new week that has new opportunities and new endeavors. How does that sound to you? Sounds sweet? Sounds good? You can open your eyes now. (laughs) Thank you. So this is what the Sabbath looks like um, for the for um, for the typical Jewish family, and it's been like this for you know over three thousand years. And the Jews were commanded by God to keep the Sabbath day. It's literally in the Ten Commandments, and it's the fourth commandment. Let's turn to Exodus chapter twenty, verse four to read this. So I'll be reading from the NRV version. When you're there, say Sabbath. <laughs> Amazing. (laughs) Okay, anyone else there? I think it's going to appear on screens. Sabbath, amazing. (laughs) Okay, I think I got it. Amazing. Okay. Amazing. So it says, actually, let's go from verse 8. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is a sabbath to the lord your god on it you shall not do any work neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor male or female servant, nor your six animals sorry nor your animals nor your foreigner reside in your towns for in the six days the lord made the heavens and the earth and all that is in them but he rested on the seventh day Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we can see straight off the bat that the Sabbath is rooted in the creation story. But before we actually take a look at the creation story, I would like us to just look at this particular word that we see here, which is the word rest. And there are two main Hebrew words for rest. The first one is Shabbat. Say Shabbat which means season from work. So for example, let's say if you have a 9 to 5 job, when it hits 9, when it hits 5 p.m., you're like, okay, that's it, I'm done, I'm gonna take the DLR back home, I am finished with work. You basically cease from work. Your day has come to an end. So that's the first um, definition of rest, Shabbat, season from work. The second work from rest is Newark, which means to dwell or settle or to take up residence. So say with me, Newark. Dwell, settle, or to take up residence. And we see both of these definitions in the story um, of creation in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 2. And Genesis one and Genesis two details how God made a world that was chaotic, that was literally Scripture says, um, darkness covered over the waters and it was formless. God made a, cha- a chaotic world and He made it beautiful. Out of a, out of chaos, God made a beautiful world. And On the first day, it says light was created. On the second day, the sky was created. On the third day, dry land, seas, plants, and trees were created. On the fourth day, the sun, moon, and stars were created. On the fifth day, creatures that lived in the sea and creatures that fly fly in the sky were created. On the sixth day, animals that live on the land, and finally, humans made in the image of God were created. But there's also another day. On the seventh day, this is what it says. Genesis 2, verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So God rested on the seventh day. He ceased from his work, and this is where we see the first definition at play: Shabbat, God's season from his work. And in Genesis chapter two, we see the um, Genesis two verse fifteen. We see the second definition, where it says, "God took the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it." So the Lord God put Adam in the garden. In other words, he settled Adam and Eve in Eden with him. So they took residence in the garden. And this is where we see the second definition of rest, where they take residence, Newark, they took residence in the garden. So very early on, we see God modeling, season from work and dwelling with his people. And why were the Jews in the Old Testament, why were they commanded to keep the Sabbath? The first reason why they were commanded to keep the Sabbath is because, it, because first of all, like I said, God models the Sabbath. God models taking um, season from work. So the Sabbath ultimately represents God dwelling with his people and his authority over creation and time. So that's the first reason why the Jews were called to keep the Sabbath. Because it represents God dwelling with his people and his authority over creation and time. The second reason is found in Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 14 to 15. So let's turn there. When you're there again, this time say nuach. <laughs> no one is there? Newark. Newark. Okay. Deuteronomy 5, verse 14, it says, But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, which is funny, your donkey or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So the second reason why the Jews were called to make space for the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath day, is because it was a reminder of how God had set them free from oppression of the Egyptians. And the Egyptians literally treated them as slaves, oppressed them for 430 years. As a result, after they were set free from the Egyptians, the Lord said every seventh day, um, the Lord said to the Jews, every seventh day, that they should cease from work. In addition to that, not just not just them ceasing from work, the Lord also told them to cause their servants, to cause those who work for them, to also cease from work as well. So to simply summarize, the Sabbath represents God dwelling with his people and his rule over creation and time. And secondly, it reinforces God's power to bring liberation from slavery and oppression. How powerful is that? And it's normally assumed, you know, with us human beings, that we are the master of our own time. So every time the Jews took the Sabbath and ceased from work, they were denouncing their authority over their own time and recognizing that my time belongs to God. It was a weekly act of surrender That says, God, my days are for you and not for me. But if you know the history of the Israelites, (laughs) they often failed to follow God and they failed many times to keep the Sabbath. And we can see an example in Exodus chapter sixteen, where the Israelites are in the desert. They have just been set free from the uh, Egyptians, and Moses, um, who was anointed to be a deliverer, basically led them into, um, yeah, basically brought them into freedom, and they were on their way to the promised land. But on the way, they were in the desert, and they were traveling in the desert. And all of a sudden, they started grumbling. They started grumbling because they were hungry. And they started saying that, you know, we should have just stayed in Egypt because at least if we died in Egypt, you know, we would have died with, you know, plates of food and great meat and stuff like that. There's so much pots of food in Egypt. But they were complaining to Moses. They said, but you have just brought us here into the wilderness to die of starvation. They were moaning. And the Lord, as a result, responded, and the Lord said, I am going to rain down bread from heaven. But he gave them specific instructions. One of the things that the Lord said was that he will rain down bread for six days, and each day the Israelites are to gather bread each day. But on the sixth day, they are to gather twice as much as the other days for the seventh day because it was a day of Sabbath. So the Lord didn't want them going out proactively to get bread because it was a day of rest. So on the sixth day, the Lord said, get twice as much. So the Israelites did that, but when it came on the seventh day, some of the Israelites thought they were sly, and they thought, let's just go, you know, quickly, and let's just see whether we can get some more bread. But there was no bread. They disobeyed the Lord's commandment, which just shows that for some of the Israelites, they struggled to cease from work and to trust in God. So one thing that the Sabbath does is that it combats our fear of lack and causes us to trust in God's provision. And this is basically, I basically just shared some example of how the Sabbath was carried out in the Old Testament. But let's look at the New Testament and how Jesus um, interacted with the Sabbath. So in Jesus' day, many religious leaders, otherwise known as the Pharisees, Pharisees, really hated him. (laughs) And the Pharisees basically felt that repeatedly Jesus disobeyed and dishonored the Sabbath because he did things like heal a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath. And we can read this account in Matthew 12 verse 9. So let's turn there. Matthew 12 verse 9. It says this, going on from that place, he went on talking about Jesus into their synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a um, a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold and would would you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they would kill Jesus. The Pharisees were annoyed at Jesus because he was doing public acts of healings and miracles. And they basically felt like this was a type of work, that Jesus should not be healing anyone on the Sabbath. But they completely missed the heart behind the Sabbath. Like I mentioned before, one of the main functions of the Sabbath is to reinforce God's power to liberate people from slavery and oppression. And this is what Jesus was doing exactly in this moment. He was liberating this man from his sickness that enslaved him and from spiritual oppression. And this is what Jesus says he has come to do. You know, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus literally clarifies his mission statement. If you have any doubt of what Jesus came to do, you can find the answer in Luke 4, chapter 18 to 19. Jesus says these words, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So there's just a few things that I would like to draw out of this. First of all, we see the word freedom. And freedom, literally in this context in Luke 4, means release from slavery, poverty, oppression, bondage, addiction, and sin. So, in other words, freedom also can mean forgiveness in this context. The other word I would like us to pay attention to is the word the poor. In this text, the poor refers to, um, it's much more broadened than just someone's financial situation. But it also refers to those who feel they are of low status, perhaps because of their ethnicity, their gender, their career prospects, their purity, perhaps the lack of it, and their education and the lack of it. So, in other words, the poor in this context were those who see themselves lowly for a particular reason. And Jesus said that he had come to proclaim good news to the poor, to lift the esteem of those who see themselves lowly. Hence why he carried out such miracles on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a day to acknowledge God's merciful intervention in our broken world. And lastly, let's just turn to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Jesus says these words. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'll read that last bit again. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus invites all who are weary, tired, and fed up of life into a life of rest. So I'm sure that includes all of us (laughs) in some capacity, that Jesus says, if you feel weary, if you feel tired, if you are fed up of life, then you can enter into a life of rest with me. And this rest is not just rest for our bodies, it's rest for our whole being. So for our minds, for our emotions, for our body and will, mental, physical, and spiritual health. And he uses this word yoke. And a yoke essentially was a wooden beam that you would put around two animals. Often it was two oxen. And you put this beam around um, two oxen to basically um, fit them together. And when they would be fit together, it meant that they could use their combined strength to plow through the ground, to carry heavy loads. And this is the imagery that Jesus is using. Jesus is saying, take my yoke. Like it or not, we are all carrying some type of yoke. In other words, we all have our own ways of plowing through life and carrying the loads and burdens life brings. But Jesus says that if you take my yoke, you will experience a deep rest and assurance as you go through life. He acknowledges that, yes, you would have to carry some load, but you're carrying it with me and it will feel easy and it will feel light. But often, you know, and I'll definitely be there, we try to carry things by ourselves. Or maybe you're the type of person that says, okay, I need other people to carry my burdens. But other people carrying your burdens often means that they don't have the capacity to carry your burdens. But Jesus can. In some aspects, it's as if Jesus is saying that I want to be the other ox going through life with you, carrying the load. So in other words, Jesus is making clear that he wants to be the person that wants to carry the load with you. He can carry that weight. Take my yoke and you will feel an ease. You will feel a lightness. So Jesus is making the point very clear, that this Sabbath that we've been looking at, this Sabbath that we've been talking about, points to him. God who dwelt among us, Jesus coming, God who dwelt among us, is the person that gives us true rest. So what does the Sabbath mean for us today? As followers of Jesus, we aren't required to follow the laws God gave to Israel in the day of Moses. Because that was for a certain group of people for a particular purpose. However, the principle and the wisdom of the Sabbath still remains. And I feel like the Lord is inviting us into it. To take time out in our week from our busy careers, constant interactions and TikToks, relentless pursuits, from all of that, the Lord is inviting us to rest in him where we are reminded that God is the master of time and we're not in control and we don't need to be in control. So the weekly rhythm of Sabbath is an act of surrender that says, God, I trust you with my time and I trust you with my life. So as a result, I intentionally decide to rest, to cease from my work and strife, and to take my hand off the plow. Sometimes for those of us who overwork, and I am including myself in that, (laughs) the reason why we work so hard is because often, it's because we are driven by the fear that if we don't do this, it won't be okay. So we place trust in God and rest in God with our own efforts instead, and we live a burdensome life. But when we make an intentional decision to stop in our week, we make space for God to take up residence in our lives, to refresh us and to show us the way, as Matthew chapter 11 highlights. So as we Shabbat cease from work, we Shabbat cease from work in order to Newark, to have God dwell among us, to take up residence in our life. We Shabbat cease from work in order to new work, to have God dwell among us and to take up residence in our life, amen? And lastly, I would just like to share some practicalities on the Sabbath. So maybe you've you've heard me today and also online and you're like, do you know what, okay, I see some of the benefits of the Sabbath and let's be honest, I definitely need one. I would just like to share some practicalities on the Sabbath. First of all, Sabbath is not escapism. It's not running away from your life and pretending that things are not going on in your life. That's not what the Sabbath is. It's not escapism. Nor is the Sabbath indulgence. Sabbath is not a time of indulgence. And in the earlier service, I was basically sharing how um, there was a time... I think it was my 17th birthday, where my parents said to me, my parents were like, oh, what do you want for your birthday? And I just smiled. (laughs) I said, mom and dad, I want to eat all of my favorite foods at once. So they were like, are you sure? I said, definitely. That's what I want. And so my parents basically ordered some Chinese. You know, they bought me some Morley's. This is a true story. I know some of you guys like Goucher, but Morley's is where it's really at, you know. And I'm so happy because Morley's is, if you don't know what Morley's is, it's basically the best chicken and chips, you know, (laughs) restaurants. restaurant in South London, and it's slowly making its way to East London. Glory to God. Um, but um, my, my parents brought me all these different foods, um, especially the Morley's, and um, they said to me, like, Wale, are you sure you want to eat all of this now? And I said, yes, it's my birthday. And they told me, you don't need to die on your birthday. I said, it's okay, it's my birthday. And I ate and I indulged, and guess what? I felt very sick afterwards, like I was about to pass out. And that's not what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath is not about indulgence, you know? And maybe it's not food for you, maybe it's Netflix. Maybe it's like, okay, I need a day off, so I'm going to binge Netflix um, all day and all night. But I think for many of us, when we actually spend a whole day binging, we can't really say we feel refreshed and revitalized. I'm yet to meet the person that says, oh, hallelujah, I feel I'm awake, let's go, (laughs) bring on the next week and stuff, Maybe, maybe one person, but yeah, I'm yet to meet the person that can say that. But Sabbath is a time of delight and rest in God. So try to find things that are life-giving during a Sabbath. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't eat well. Eat well. But what I'm saying is that don't lose yourself just because you, you said, I want to have some time off. Sabbath is about doing things that proactively give you life. So, for example, one of the things that gives me life is music. And I love writing music. So, if I want to have a day off, if I want to take the Sabbath, I'm like, okay, I'm going to write some music today. And I'm just going to, yeah, just, just see what I come up with. It's something that energizes me, something that gives me life. And I also would just like to highlight that... Um, do, yeah, like I said, do what gives you life. But if you are married, this perhaps you might also need to you might also need to acknowledge the person that you're married to, like what gives them life as well and involve them in the process because I know many families do the Sabbath together. But again, I'm reiterating it for the third time. It's important to do what gives you life because sometimes we can be peer pressured by other people to do a particular thing. And you know, the Sabbath is not a day to give in to peer pressure, to just basically run yourself dry at other people's expense. It's a day to refresh yourself in the Lord. So, there are different ways that you can do the Sabbath to rest well, but here are some suggestions um, about, here, yeah, here are some suggestions on how you can do the Sabbath in your life. So, first of all, my first suggestion is the traditional Sabbath, so, literally taking it from the Jews, which would be from Friday night. To Saturday, um, the following day at the same time. So Friday night, often to Saturday late afternoon, 24 hours, and this works well for people like me who perhaps you're in um, church leadership or you have a lot of church responsibilities. Um, so Sunday doesn't work for you. Sunday's literally your working day. <laughs> um, so the second um, suggestion is the Lord's Day Sabbath, which is Sunday. So when where you take from Sunday morning to bedtime on Sunday. And this works well for city workers and uni students, especially um, if you do not have a lot of responsibility on Sunday. And my third suggestion is midweek Sabbath, where you take any day during the week. And this works well for people who have odd shift patterns like doctors, TFL workers, and even those, for example, who work on Amazon. Because I know some people and, yeah, your shifts are crazy. But whatever works for you, it's fine. But my encouragement is be intentional and stick to one of them. And my last tip when it comes to the Sabbath is to prepare well. You know, um, I just have this analogy of going on holiday. So I believe that when people are planning a holiday, there's two types of people. There's the type of people that before they go on holiday, like let's say they're going to like Spain, they know every single place that they want to go to. Like they have bl- they've booked all the different excursions, they have booked out the restaurants, they know exactly. Um, the different cafes that they're going to and stuff like that, the different sites that they want to see. They plan it out to the T, and there's even a taxi waiting for them when they leave the flight. Maybe you're that type of person. God bless you guys. You know, you can pray for all of us. Or maybe you're the opposite, where you're like, you know what, let me just book the flight. You don't even know where you're going. You just book the flight. Just do... You know, roulette. You just book the flight and you're like, okay, wherever I end up, I'm not going to plan anything. When I end up there, you know, we'll see what happens. And sometimes, by God's mercy, (laughs) you actually have a lit time. But I would just like to make the point that often those who plan well get the most out of the holiday. I don't know if anyone else will agree with me, but I was, <laughs> I'll agree with that point. Those who plan well make the most out of the holiday, and it's the same with the Sabbath. That those who plan well the Sabbath also make the most, also get the most out of the Sabbath. So. Try to plan what you want to do in those 24 hours. You know, do you want to see some friends? Do you want to, you know, perhaps take yourself out on a date or, you know, go to the cinema and stuff like that or write some music. Plan well what you want to do. But also, most importantly, make space for God. Because the Sabbath primarily is a time for you to find fulfillment and refreshment in the Lord. Amen? (laughs) Amen.